0: A weekend workshop with Eileen McCusick, an innovator in the fields of therapeutic sound, electric health, and the human biofield, May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn easy and accessible techniques to reduce stress, improve focus, and increase energy. Learn more today at eomega.org/thrive. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg.
1: In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing, whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker. You'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I had just arrived in London at 18 and spotted this movie marquee, Meetings with Remarkable Men. The film was about the philosopher Gurdjieff, but it was the title that spoke to me. I wanted to know people like that, people changing the world by the way they lived. I've sought them out ever since, and now we'll hear from many of them on the Victoria Moran podcast, Meetings with Remarkable Women.
0: Welcome to the podcast. Your host, Victoria Moran, author of Creating a Charmed Life, Younger by the Day, and Main Street Vegan, invites you to conversations designed to help you thrive in your body, cozy up to your soul, and use your unique gifts to change the world. Now, here's Victoria.
1: Sometimes you hear somebody say something and you think, I like that person. I wish they lived nearby because I think we'd be really good friends. And even when they don't live nearby, you figure out a way to bring this person into your life. That's how it is today with our guest. We were on a panel for Golden Rule Day a little bit ago. And when she spoke, those words were golden. And today she's going to be sharing them with you as well. Hi, everybody. I'm Victoria Moran, and I'm just tickled pink that you are here to be with us for this hour of sharing and learning about another remarkable woman and some of the life lessons that she has that can apply to your life and my life as well. So I would like to introduce to you Vanetta Calloway. She teaches eighth grade science. In fact, she's been teaching for over 20 years, which in itself is an act of valor. She's an event organizer, director of the nonprofit Committee of Consciousness, author of a wonderful children's coloring book, My Color is Coconut, raising awareness of biracial and blended families in Um, her outreach to marginalized communities. She is also the head of an organization, the Black Vegan Experience. And we will be talking about all that and so much more. Welcome, Vanetta. Thank you so much for
2: having me. I love it.
1: (laughs) Well, it's just wonderful to talk with you. You're one of those people who just has uplift. There's uplift in your voice. There's uplift in your words. And you know, sometimes I think, especially if we're listening to a lot of people commenting on social media, we think, "Where's the uplift?" And so we've got to go looking for that. (laughs) So just so that um, the readers can get to know you and I can get to know you a little bit better, how did you begin your journey?
2: Oh wow! So the funniest thing about uh, my journey today is that it began with the Daniel Fast. Now I grew up in church; my grandmother was a preacher. And before even she uh, became a pastor, she evangelized for years. So um, I had heard about fasting. I had faked a couple. I think a a lot of folk have that have grown up in church when it was kind of, you felt like forced on you, but um, our church here uh, locally was doing a collective fast. And I had heard about it a couple of different times, but I really wasn't. Um, listening, you know, for God in that situation. And then something happened where I was teaching and I really needed to have some clarity from God about what direction I needed to go in. And so this Daniel fast was an amazing uh, time to commune with God. And my eldest daughter, Zaria, did it with me. Um, it was just so amazing, like the togetherness that we had as well, um, scriptures that we found to support it. Um, and then, I felt like so many people were being drawn to us during this time because it's different when people see you making different choices, abstaining from this or that. Um, but after it was over, even though it was an amazing op- experience, uh, my body told me uh-uh, this is not it. Um, And you kind of forget sometimes after a fast that things are supposed to be reintroduced gradually. Um, I ended up with some some GI issues, pretty bad GI issues, and actually was scheduled to have surgery um, in January of 2019, I believe it was. And so uh, ironically, I had started the Daniel Fast for the second time. And a few days in, I was like, oh, you know, that, you know, that's not as uncomfortable or I don't feel X, Y, or Z. And then a couple more days, it was one of those V8 knocks on my head. Duh, this is your path. (laughs) And I was like, oh, (laughs) sometimes it takes us a little while to catch on to what God is communicating to us. Um, But that's how I got started um, with veganism. It was a Daniel Fast with my church.
1: Wow. So for people that don't know what a Daniel fast is, can you explain a little bit of the history and also the practicalities? Does it mean you don't eat anything? Oh, absolutely. So of course,
2: you know, during any fast, um, it's, it's up to the person to decide what's best for them. And, you know, you always want to consult with, you know, a medical practitioner if you have health issues and think that that could, you know, create some other issues. Um, so for those that are familiar with scripture in the Bible, uh, we know about Daniel. Daniel was the, the guy that was thrown in the lion's den and he was with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and the fiery furnace. And, um, he commit, he was going to pray to God and, and not be bullied by, King Nebuchadnezzar when he they were taking captives with the other Hebrew boys. And I'm giving you guys like the really, really abbreviated version. Um, so I do hope you go back and do the research for yourself. Um, but that is where they um, came up with the fast. So there are different days of fasting in the book of Daniel. Um, but the one that the churches connect to is the 21 days of fasting that he did, which was actually his lifestyle, that was his diet. Um, and when he was taken captive and King Nebuchadnezzar were, had presented um, you know royal food to them. so it wasn't like it was, you know, bad food. It was just not food that he felt God had for him. And he, um, he objected to eating it and demanded that he be fed the food that his God provided. And so eventually the King agreed to it, even though he had concerns, but, um, Daniel and his comrades came out performing better, looking better, um, in all ways, physically, mentally, um, whatnot. And he was like, wow, let them have what they, what they asked for. Um, so for us in today's world, The Daniel Fast is what we would consider a vegan diet without sugar, without alcohol, without bread. (laughs) So it's a much more disciplined approach to um, a a vegan lifestyle because everything that we have, you turn around, it has sugar in it um, aside from animal products. And so like, again, it taught me something that I didn't realize, which is how disciplined we are not, how much discipline we lack when it comes to eating. And the idea is for you not to go to the refrigerator when you're upset when you're sad, when you're angry, when you're bored, it's like the refrigerator becomes an idol um, in your life instead of you going to God and addressing that with Him and, and finding out the solutions that He would have for you. Um, and so I realized how big a deal that was, and then how much my body changed because I was eating that way, how much I spent eating when I wasn't hungry. Um, which is not cool, you know, because we want to be good stewards of everything that we have, our finances, our food, our time. Um, And it taught me so many of those things at one time. And so um, a resource that I use, and uh, for those that um, are interested, I followed Dr. Axe when I first began, Dr. A-X-E. And you can always put in your search engine, Dr. Axe, Daniel Fast. And it had, you know, the food shopping list. It had menu uh, meals that you could prepare Um, It gave a lot of ideas and suggestions and also provides um, more of the background uh, from the spiritual perspective in the Bible, in the scripture. So that is the quote unquote Daniel fast.
1: Oh, that's fascinating. So a question that I have, Vanita, because I've heard about this and there are lots of churches in my neighborhood that do it, but I've never heard of a church that said, wow, this is great look at how good we feel. Look at how low our cholesterol is. Let's keep this going. You know, there's this idea, we're going to do it for this 21 days or this 30 days, and then back to normal. What, in your opinion, is it going to take for this way of eating and living to seem normal?
2: Everything that we do is a personal choice, just like with salvation. Um, Christ was a gentleman, he did not force himself upon us. And I really believe um, that just like sharing the good news and allowing someone to decide, we have to share the news and speak it with truth and love. Um, and it might just be a whole lot more, you know, one-on-one conversations and small group meetings where you share, um, because that's what I do. And some people have felt comfortable and in, 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 I have found, you know, I've I've grown um, out of one small group into another one, but when I come and we're having a potluck, I'm bringing vegan options, but sometimes more, and I get excited about it um, because it always starts with the food is that, oh my gosh, that was great. Um, that didn't hurt my stomach. That tastes amazing. Where do you find it? Tell me more. Why are you? And so I actually get to minister. I get to advocate and I get to love on people just by sharing my testimony, which is the way that I live now. And it would be great to have a church, um, you know, it began with leadership and, and, and start this and, and see how long people could go. But because of the way we live in America, it's just not something I, unless a, a move of God will do everything, but it's one of those things where I do feel like it's going to be a personal decision. Um, but if anyone that is a leader in a, in the church has been led to do it, I, I believe that the, all the parishioners will follow. Um, it's just that it, God's timing is perfect. But again, my personal, um, ways of always sharing it is just loving people and sharing what I do. Cause some of them so think it exactly. I'm doing it as a, um, torture or, you know, it's medical reasons, but it's because I felt and do better and can share the love with the animals, with the, with the environment. And it's just,
1: it's so much bigger than us. Yes. It is interesting, Veneta, when I see some people learn about uh, not eating animals, eating healthier too, and it makes so much sense to them. And they just do it, and they live happily ever after, and that's that. But other people hear about it, they see the same videos, they read the same articles, but for some reason, it just doesn't resonate. And I guess all we can do is just... reach out to those with whom it does resonate and be there as an example for everybody else and let life proceed as it's meant to proceed. Well, think about it like this.
2: How many people in the vegan movement evangelize? Right? Because that's what we're talking about. We're talking about loving everything and everyone. But they don't. They, they, They have their, you know... Some, they have their pockets um, of places and people that they connect to and they just talk amongst themselves. When you're going out into communities, you have to be able to speak to those communities where they are. We cannot go in with a judgmental tone or lens when we're going to share love. It's contradictory, right? And so therefore, I do vegan outreaches uh, as much as I can once, twice a month, you know, around my school schedule. Um, I'm hoping eventually the Lord will find a way to replace my teaching income so that I can do this full time because I absolutely love it. When I go out and I'm, I've been blessed with, um, a certain, um, restaurant that provides me with food to share in communities. And, um they're like are you sure that's not you know chicken are you sure this and i'm like yes everything that you have is vegan and i said the reason why i'm sharing this with you today is because i've been blessed to do so and it's just to get you to think a little bit differently about your food choices because once you feed people sometimes they already were hungry and it's a bonus that it's vegan food so you're taking care of their natural needs So they can hear from you on a different level because if people are hungry, just like with my students, they're not gonna hear anything that you said that entire class period or throughout that conversation because they're distracted by their belly, right? But if you take care of their need, now you can have a different level of conversation with them. You can actually get them to start to think and process something a little bit differently than they ever had. They can think out of the box. Um, and then you go from there because it starts with me taking care of you. Now, once you have been um, your needs have been addressed and now we can continue talking, I can share like, hey, so it's really not just about how we eat. It's about how we care for each other. It's about how we care for our animal friends and it's about how we care for this beautiful planet. Um, that we've been graced to live upon for a little while, but it's stewardship, right? And again, you have to be able to meet them where they are. Unfortunately, if you don't take time to get to know people and learn people, um, then you're going to kind of fail at that until you begin to succeed. But I always tell people when you're connecting to folk that don't look like you or live on the same side of town as you, find some friends, make some new friends and go out and do it together.
1: No, oh, that's a wonderful attitude. I think we could all learn so much by just kind of just letting some of the barriers drop and just knowing, you know, we're here for a little while. Any good we can do, any joy we can bring, any uplift, it's um, it's what we're here for. Yes. So, ma'am. <laughs> So, you know, I changed my podcast for 10 years every single week. I did the Main Street Vegan Podcast. And I thought when I started it that because of that title, Main Street Vegan, which was a book that I wrote, but it's also just this attitude. This is, you know, regular people. This is y'all come and it's Main Street that I would get all of these non-vegan listeners. But as I traveled around going places and talking, even people in faraway countries would say, oh, we love your podcast but they were all vegans and so <laughs> i i changed my podcast and now we're looking at women who are just remarkable human beings who are doing incredible things now because i know so many vegans <laughs> most of my incredible women happen to be vegan but in addition to your vegan outreach and we will cycle back in, into that later we'll talk about your book we'll talk about the black vegan experience but you're just a pretty cool woman all around. Like you were telling me earlier that you were the first person in your family to graduate from high school and then college and you've had an advanced degree. So tell us tell us what lit you up early on so that you were able to do some of these pioneering things. Absolutely. Well, my grandmother,
2: um, she was my angel, um, on earth and now she's resting with Christ until we meet again. But she sowed a passion for learning in my heart when I was in grade school, I believe I was six years old and it was just before career day. And you're a little kid, you're not thinking about how serious things are, but I was such a big girl. I wanted to be a neonatal nurse and I knew that was the nurse that took care of the babies and how special it was and, um. I remember her asking me why I didn't I want to become a doctor because being a nurse was happy. And I was like, well, grandma, you have to go to school so long. And she asked me what was wrong with going to school for a long time. And I said, Well, I guess nothing. And she, you know, she shared, and obviously, my grandmother grew up during segregation, and she said, there will be people who are in the classroom and they're teaching, but they're not trying to reach you. They're reaching everyone but you. And she says, I want you to be a sponge and I want you to soak up everything. And I did, and it was. It's, I'm one of those. <laughs> call me a weirdo, and I'm fine with it. Um, some people get excited by roller coasters and scary movies and other thrill-seeking adventures, but when I learn something new, oh my gosh, you have just stroked my feather. And then <laughs> when I get to go share with someone, I get even more excited. And I just think that's that's just how I, you know, I. The Lord just gave me that as a gift. Like I, I'm able to build relationships, and I'm able to take. Um, what others might see as negative and and turn it around for good. And um, I I just wanted more. I saw the communities around me. I got to see um, the devastation, you know, from the drug epidemic. And, you know, on every corner, there's a liquor store or some kind of pawn shop or something that reminds you that you're in a community where there's not a lot of wealth. And I made a decision. I said, this is not the life I desire. And I was on a bus headed to Disney World when I was in eighth grade. That was my first time leaving the state of Virginia. Um, I already knew in my heart I was going to be different. And that was just like my first time. And so I have continued to let God give me vision. And we've gone from, like I said, um, generational blessings where not only is it me now, you know, um, some of my other younger cousins and um, nieces and nephews have come up. Behind me and gotten their um, high school diploma, uh, bachelor's degree. Um, some of them are working on their advanced degree, military careers. And it's, sometimes people just need to see a light, you know, that light on the hill that we're supposed to be. And it's just, it's exciting. But I really believe it began with me falling in love um, and just with learning uh, because my grandmother sowed that seed into me so long ago. And I'll tell you, when I graduated from college, she was at my door before the sun rose um, and my school was about 45 minutes away and to have her and my grandfather stand up in the crowd to accept my degree with me meant everything. Because had it not been for her and Granny, I wouldn't have had that encouragement, that nurturing voice, that nurturing touch. Like Granny was always gonna be the voice of reason and encouragement. And a lot of us need grandmas like that. So I hope that... Your listeners are, that are of grandma or auntie age, start taking on, um, as we were sharing earlier, some of these young people in the communities and loving on them and being that that sage, you know, for them.
1: Oh, thank you. That's that's beautiful. Now you're kind of turning around in that role now, and, and you have been for a couple of decades, because you are a teacher in the public school system. You know, it used to be, we would think of the professions that required bravery, things like uh, firefighting, uh, you know, um, (laughs) Air Force pilot, these kinds of things that really seem like clear and present danger. But I think nowadays, those of us who haven't been in school in a long time think, Hmm. oh my gosh, it's a battleground. (laughs) How, tell us about it from the inside. And then tell us what you do. I've had the pleasure um, of, you know, teaching
2: independently as a contractor, um, teaching private school and public school. And we contend with the distractions of the world. You know, these young people, they are amazing and they have so much potential. So many of them are not heard um, inside and outside the classroom. But when they find their voice, um... (laughs) And they see that light or it is something that catches their attention just by me being me. And I always want to share personal information about myself that's appropriate because you have to make a connection. These Some of these kids, they could care less about science. They could care less about math, anything that is being taught in the school building. But when you make a personal connection with them, they may try a little harder. And I'll tell you one of my favorite things, and and I've, I've taught, you know, special Education as well in the general education classroom. But one of my most favorite um, memories uh, was I had a young lady um, and she had been adopted. Um, I'm assuming she was adopted out of foster care and she had, you know, some intellectual challenges. Um, And she was a little person, but she was adorable. And I'll never forget she. In my classroom, you were not allowed to say anything that was disparaging to the other. You cannot disrespect yourself, your classmates, or obviously me, um, and it was a safe place and all we could do was encourage. So it was it was nothing negative they could bring in. If they had an issue with another teacher or friend, we dealt with it and we moved on. And so there was someone that was bullying her <laughs> and um, taking trying to take her snacks and little toys that she had. She was just a little sixth grader. And I got an email from her mom um, uh, sometime after the conversation that we had. And she said, I just wanted to let you know, um, I'll call her Amanda, that Amanda um, had an altercation uh, or an incident that occurred with her and another student. And she told them to stop doing what they were doing. She did not like it. And she was not going to tolerate it anymore. And she said, when she came home and told me this, I said, what in the world? And she said, because Mrs. Callaway loved me and she gave me confidence, I could speak up for myself. And I was like, oh my gosh, like you have no idea the impact that you are making just by being yourself, being authentic and loving on the kids. And so, of course, um, that's one of my favorite memories, but there's so many outside forces that are, op- that are you know, operating in the world, in the schools, and everywhere. Um, you know, it's spiritual warfare. And so, you know, the behaviors, the lack of support from home, you know, we have so many more single parent homes than we had 20, 30 years ago. Um, and I can't say that, it, that COVID made it any better. I think we have a lot of children who are developmentally delayed because they didn't have the social interactions that they needed to develop the way that they were supposed to. Um, so you would need a lot more patience and understanding. And a lot of professionals are just burnt out. So you contend with that too. It's like the, the lack of energy, um, the lack of um, motivation, like the morale in the school buildings are Barely there, and I know I was one of those people that make people sick because I come in and I say, you know, good morning, how are you? And they say, how is it? I said, it's a, it's amazing. It's a great day, and they say, are you serious? I said, yes, it's a great day to be alive. And so it's like, well, what do you say to that? Oh, then yes. So I'm sure some of those people try to be in their classrooms before I came down the hall because they just want to mope and they want to, you know, pout, and I wouldn't let them because I'm just going to still bring my joy in. And, and the Lord showed me that a long time ago, you may not find it where you're going. So you got to always take it with you. And I try to keep that in mind, even on my, my worst days too.
1: You remind me of my good friend, Sherry, and she <laughs> came up with this thing several years ago, whenever I would say, how you doing? instead of the litany that, you know, we can often get into well, this isn't right. And that isn't right. She would go, I'm blessed and highly favored.
2: Absolutely.
1: Well, and I was thinking, well, she'll get over that, you know, (laughs) she'll start telling me the truth again soon, but she didn't get over it. And what I saw was that as she said it, it became not just truth in some kind of spiritual level, it started to affect the actual facts, you know. Not that life is ever going to be perfect, but I mean, it's powerful stuff to be grateful and see the light. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is so cool, and I'll bet you just annoy a whole lot of people. <laughs> yeah, have have you ever? Um,
2: I don't know about your school days, but do you remember walking down the halls, um, changing classes, and having teachers scowl at you?
1: Oh yeah, I I thought that was what they were supposed to do.
2: (laughs) Well, I am totally opposite. And it's good morning, baby. How are you? They don't have to be my student. I want them to see, know that I see them and that they can have a good day. And that whatever smile that I can offer when I'm saying good morning, even if they're not somewhere they're supposed to be, um, is to just give them a little light, you know, to carry. Mm -hmm. And some of them may have never had somebody say good morning to them or smile at them or feel valued or seen. So, just create a smile ministry and say good morning. How many people's lives can you change? It's just, and then you can sew those little notes that I do. Um, So, a little segue into my um, whenever I'm in a classroom, because we tend to have to cover um, when we don't have substitutes available to cover. And whenever I'm in a new classroom, I have three fun facts that I share about me I am vegan, I'm a published author in the military, and that opens up the door for me to have conversations with those babies, like in every single classroom I've touched. If I'm sure 80% of the school, if not all of them know that I'm the only vegan teacher in the building. Um, and they know that I do events. They know that they can follow my social media. They know that if they're hungry, I'll have a snack. And if there's anything that they want to know about fruits, vegetables, um, some gardening, that they could come and find me. And they find it it's extraordinary because it is different. It's not the norm. It's bizarre to so many people thinking outside of the box. I used to make fun of people like me because I didn't understand why. Um, but now that I do, it's like I continue sewing that. So I have the advantage to to speak into their lives right now while they're 12, 13, 14 years old that many of your listeners don't have. And so um, it's a covert option operation. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So I I wonder, Vanetta, if some of the people who maybe don't know you well, and you're all positive and everything, they're probably thinking, oh, what is this woman? She's probably got this perfect life and almost no stress. (laughs) And she walks in and her husband brings her a little chocolate and some herbal tea. So did I just describe your life? (laughs) I I, I laughed out loud.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Because that is so unlike everything. (laughs) <laughs> Than somebody might picture. Um, no, uh, you know, the ironically, my husband is the total opposite, but he does try. Um, Essex served in our amazing US Army and uh, was abroad in Iraq and uh, saw theater and saw trauma, uh, had some loss, some people very close to him, and it changed him. Um, he developed PTSD, and the same man I married is not the man I usually see every day. Um, so, um, it's different. My last, our last baby did graduate from high school last year. Um, but it's not with all good, good stories. You know, there's a lot of trauma that comes from someone that has trauma. And, uh, there are days where I have to sleep by myself. I have to find a whole different room in the house. And I find that ministry you know, is how I forget about my own issues. Um, sometimes I I think to myself, boy, I love to have a normal husband where I could just sit down and have conversation with, or we could go out and do X, Y, or Z. But he uh, usually has his own safe place, his his man cave, and um, he does very little outside of the man cave besides run his little errands and um, you know go to his appointments. Aside from when I drag him out of the area, and then the conversation is always about when we get back home. So uh, it's not a bed of roses, but I thank God we're not where we used to be. He's been retired for about 11 years and it's an everyday you know, walk. But in my moments when I can't speak into him and I don't have a lot of opposition, I remind him that each day, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. It's a choice. Every single day is a choice. And some days, I don't want to go and say it. I am not, you know, feeling my best. But somebody's dependent on my smile and somebody's dependent on my good morning. And I see past Vanetta and realize that my life is not my own. And I push for it. Wow,
1: Vanetta, I'm really going to think about that.
0: Are you looking for a new and empowering lens through which to view your life and your health? Then register now for Get Healthy With Sound,
2: Mobile
0: banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: So we were talking a um, second ago about your life, your real life, and thank you so much for being so honest and forthcoming about life as it is. So what do you do to take care of yourself? Oh,
2: let's see. I really feel like my therapy comes from one sharing um but you know I'm actually going to be reconnecting to um a therapist because I feel like we all should be talking to somebody just for our check-ins um I was really involved with yoga and Zumba you know right prior to the pandemic and of course a lot of us have to reestablish those relationships um I do love to read and spend time at the beach and um Taking my care of myself is still serving. Like, I, I'm really connected to my church and um, just sharing with people. So, I seek God to fill me up. And then, when He needs me out the door, He finds a way for me to get out the door so I could be ministered to, too. Um, right now, you're pouring into me. I, I don't think about myself being a big deal at all. So, um, you guys are taking care of me, too.
1: <laughs> oh, that's lovely so among the many things that you do when you're not inspiring young people you've got the black vegan experience what is that
2: oh my gosh so glad you ask so it was really interesting um, to learn, and I, it was, I, had a, I was in Whole Foods, which I used to go to all the time. It's a good 45 minutes from where we are, um, our Whole Foods. And I had ran into a young lady who was sharing about a plant based conference that I had heard about before. But the ironic thing about it is that these conferences were usually held in September. And of course, I'm in the classroom in September, so I really hadn't been able to connect. So a little while away from that point, I had ran into um, a young lady who was an RN and her husband was a naturopathic physician, Um, myself a teacher and my daughter's a nutritionist and we were in Costco um, over a Vitamix demonstration having a conversation about like the status of these plant based conferences and how they still had not become as diverse as they should have become to just reach all the communities, especially with the health disparities that plague the black and Hispanic communities. And I was like, wow, that's really discouraging to hear. Uh, We just need to do our own. We need to have our own um, health conference that is plant-based, that is focused on lifting communities. And that's where God gave me the vision for the black vegan experience. Of course, it's not just for anyone that is a, a person of color is for all people. But when you think about the social and racial constructs in the US, um, and you hear the word vegan, even though it's, it's starting to become a little more mainstream, when you hear the word vegan, at least for Veneta, I thought of wealthy white women. I connected it to yoga and all the images that I'd ever seen and heard about yoga. So when I had, you know, a couple of different conversations, I would have people ask me, "Oh, I love what you're doing, but why do you have to call it the Black Vegan Experience? Aren't you, aren't you excluding people? Aren't you? Isn't that like a rebel kind of like?" brand or stand and and I and I say no absolutely not like what I want to do is get the attention of those that see themselves as black um who would otherwise not connect to it. And I said, think about this, you know, um, and, and one of my neighbors was an officer's wife. And so it was really, I love, cause this to me is teaching. I said, when you think of the word vegan, I want you to close your eyes and tell me who you see. And she'd say, oh yeah, I got, I got gotcha. you. I understand. <laughs> and so I said, so picture this, you got a flashing billboard going down the highway. Um, I think you guys, I don't know what New York has, but highway 40 runs all the way across the United States. So you got the flashing billboard and it says, the vegan experience this exit how many people are going to pass by that because it does not connect to them it does not resonate with anything that they're familiar to but if it says the black vegan experience this way you're going to have some curious people say black vegan what in the world is a black vegan black people are vegan Let me see what they talk about over here. And and everybody is going to get off on this exit just so they could be curious. And then if it looks good, it smells good, it sounds good. You see people of all backgrounds, um, you know, colors, shades it's like oh my goodness this is pretty cool I think I'm gonna hang around a little bit and see what they're talking about and then before you know it you have made friends you've had a good time you've learned something whatever interest you might have had or didn't know you had about veganism plant-based living now you have some nuggets to take with you hopefully a call to action was made at that event and now you can connect to resources that you never had before Um, and so the broader picture for this vision is to take it across the United States, just like, in your know, salvation. i it got to go into the highways and the byways and compel men to come up to him. Um, and so as you are learning and being gloved on, it shouldn't be that hard, right? <laughs> And so, and that's, that's what it is. And um, I've been able to connect to another, another organization, um, Veggie Mijas, um, where it's hugely uh, Hispanic um, in in nature, uh, Hispanic women. But there's so many Afro-Latinas, again, that you would never feel like would connect to it. Like my niece is Puerto Rican and they thought that something was wrong with me and my daughter when we came to the baby shower, because it was like, what do we feed you? So people panic because they never heard about it, but the more they Start to see it and hear about it, you're reaching them, you're piquing their curiosity. And as you love on them, they become more open-minded about trying it or just taking another look. Now I might convince them to go watch this video and give me some feedback or check out this event and let me know what they think or how it can be improved. And, and basically that's what it is. The Black Vegan Experience is an event um, that is a traveling event per budget um, that basically connects all communities, specifically communities of color to make sure that it's reshared. And and it's been a fantastic, yes, I've had my days where I cried almost myself to sleep because there's a lack of um, connectedness and support in the black community um, for the same reasons that the event was titled that way. Um, But I will say that we are making a difference. So the event is to just to reach all communities, but specifically to communities of colors who would not necessarily identify with veganism um, and getting them outside of their head. Um, If you think about um, the food deserts um, that that pled our society, where do you find the food deserts? Well, shucks, if we're going to talk about loving people and helping each other and animal friends and the environment, we probably should start around the food deserts and make sure the people know that we love them. And then as we reach them and take care of their needs, then they begin to grow and, you know, do the same thing. It becomes duplicity. Um, they go out and they do the same thing because they realize that somebody cared for them.
1: That is so cool. So you can find out more on Vanetta's website, theblackveganexperience.com. On Facebook, The Black Vegan Experience, Instagram, and TikTok at The Black Vegan Experience. And we will put all those URLs and more information about our lovely guest mm-hmm. in the show notes at victoriamoran.com. So you mentioned being a published author and you have this absolutely adorable, book for little kids kids younger than the ones you teach it's called my color is coconut what's that all about so
2: after we got started um, with the black vegan experience got it brought it back to my heart that okay you got a you know a good run on his and i need you to to remember that we have some folk that will not identify as being black or white because they are a combination of both And so I was like, okay, let's go. And I had actually recruited some of my students at the time to participate in our fashion showcase and parts of the program and then COVID hit and um, they were not as comfortable coming back out. Um, So the unfortunate thing that happened is um, one of my friends who I met at church, um, her and her husband or ex-husband at the time, um, they um, lost their children in a house fire And uh, actually six people had passed away and four of them were children. Um, They had two together. They shared two together and then um, her husband had, ex-husband had one with his fiance. Um, They were ages eight, five and two. Arabella had just turned two. Um, And then his soon-to-be stepdaughter who was 12 also passed away and um, the grandmother and his fiance. So it was very devastating. And I I did not go to speak to her with any intention in my heart, but to just be present. Um, and I never forget, like we were going to go after church. I did not realize this had happened. I heard it in the news, and I waved it off, like, no, nah, that's not them." You know, you know, like that doesn't happen to people, you know. And and then I saw her Facebook um post and I, I was at school and I kind of lost it and had to go home I just could not believe that it happened to her and as a mother you hurt with someone as a mother who, who has that kind of loss and um my daughter told me to drop her off at home she says mama this is too heavy for me I don't want to go and I was like you gonna let me go by myself she said God got you can you please take me home and I was like well dang so I did I I took her home and I was like well Lord Um, There are no words that I could ever come up with to soothe any pain. Um, And if you are going with me, if you're going before me, you will have to give me the words to speak. Um, And he did. He provided every single thing that needed to be shared. And during that conversation with Sid and Jeremy, she had shared with me that when people would ask, Anaya, which is their little girl's name, their oldest baby's name, um, what color she was, she would tell them, "My color is coconut," and they'd be like, "No, you know your color is cream or color is beige," and she'd say, "No, my color is coconut because coconuts don't have a color." And I was like, "Wow, how profound, how intertwined that was," you know, for her as a youngster to know that. And these babies were so loved; they loved the Lord. They were involved in the community. They were best friends. Her and her brother. And um, during their homegoing service, um, I had I had had um, someone that does coloring books. The "I Love Me" brand is not mine. It belongs to Sherelle Satterwhite, and she had began working on the cover for me. But I had um, I had had her in my event as one of our vendors. And as I was sitting there, God gave me the perfect image of my colors coconut with Anaya on the front cover. Um, And a testament to how God loves diversity um, and to raise awareness about blended families and about biracial families and how they are just as much beautiful and need to be ministered to as other groups. And um, after it was published and I began to share it, um, obviously it raises awareness about, you know, taking care of, you know, insurance and um, being prepared, you know, for. For, for things that we just are usually not prepared for, but to also support my friend and her ex-husband because they work in the food service industry and they not, could not return to that job because they had to seek families and they were not able to really do that. And that, I mean, that's a lifelong you know ordeal of pain. But um, my color, my color is coconut, has definitely been a source of healing, not just for her and her family, but for other people. Um, as it began to be shared around social media, um, I had people that were speaking to me, you know, via messaging and sharing that they had been bullied because they were biracial and. And when was there going to be one written with a little boy on the cover? And I just could not process that. Like I have family members that are biracial and they were never mistreated or bullied or anything like that. But it, again, it becomes that reminder that everybody's story is not like your story. Um, and when you're obedient, you'll reach people. Um, just by doing those things that God called you to do. Um, and so um, it's allowed me to open my eyes and to share the same vision with other people. And I just love it. The whole idea about it being a coloring book is that, you know, the, the babies decide what color people are. It doesn't matter. Um, crayons have all different shades, and there's a, um, a tribute to them in the back. And um, a percentage of all the sales go, a uh, portion goes to my nonprofit to help people who do lose children. Um, without having um burial coverage a portion goes to my friends uh, family and um the rest goes to the manufacturing costs and so um I've just been privileged and honored to be able to do that as a project for them um I awarded it to her um they were not able to come out to the event that we had in 2021 um it was too too much for them but I did award them with um a plaque um for just uh Rising up, because they had to get back up every day, knowing that their babies weren't there to greet them, to say good morning, to come in the bed and snuggle. Um, and I needed them to know that they were in my hearts and my minds, and that now other people will know about their story and their babies, and we get to play with them later in heaven.
1: That is one of the most beautiful offerings to a friend that I've ever heard. My goodness. And Since you shared that, Vanetta, it's just coming to me that I need to share something that might help people whenever they are wanting to comfort someone who's had a loss or a tragedy. And very often people will say, what can I do? Or let me know if there's something I can do. Now, I'm pretty sure your friend would not have said, well, you could write and publish a coloring book Mm -hmm. dedicated to my daughter that would help other biracial children because your friend is dealing with major grief and that kind of creative idea is just not going to be there. So maybe if we can actually do something and come up with what can I do? And so my little story, and I'm dedicating this to a wonderful woman named Laureen Cox, who passed away uh, about a month ago, bless her heart. But back in 1987, I was widowed. My first husband died very suddenly and, and tragically. And Sorry I was, I guess, a little bit like your friend. I just, you know, I, I didn't really know what was up. I was gonna be a single mom, which was not anything I'd ever anticipated. And people were so kind, and I had all kinds of people reaching out to me, but Lorreen Cox, who wasn't in my close circle, I only knew her from seeing her once a year at Vegetarian summerfest she said, all the attention is going to die down because people will be getting back to their lives, but they will not have forgotten you. And I am going to assure you of that by writing to you every week for the next year. So this was before emails. So every Monday or Tuesday, I would get a letter, a card, maybe she'd send some snapshots or a recipe, just letting her know that she was thinking of me and showing me life going on. She did that for 52 weeks. And at the end of that time, I was still grieving but I knew I was going to be able to make it. And that thought from her, just like this incredible thing that you've done for your friends with your book, My Color is Coconut, this kind of stuff changes people's lives and keeps people going.
2: Yes, it does.
1: Wow. It
2: takes courage too for both parties, You know, just think about your friends stepping up and saying, I'm going to write you every week. That's a time and that takes commitment. And a lot of people shy away from that, but I'm so glad that she did it because I'm sure she's spoken to you when you needed that.
1: It it just means the world. And I think that so many of the things, and certainly you could address this as a teacher, so many of the very practical things that we need to know to get along in the world, things about keeping ourselves healthy and managing money and having good relationships You know, we're in geometry class, (laughs) and we're getting, you know, other kinds of things. And one of the things I think that so many of us miss is how to nurture one another when somebody has been through something really hard. Mm -hmm. And I think by example, just what you've done with this book is such a beautiful beautiful lesson and how to do that maybe we can't all write books for people but you know we can come up with something that's really powerful
0: indeed
1: so thank you and i'm sure your friend um thanks you every day and her blessed little girl i'm sure has has a role in this yes I, i think they're
2: probably in heaven just tickled like thinking oh my gosh somebody else got one today and, and <laughs> you can find the coloring book on amazon too um it's just and ironically um the the second year anniversary of their death would be this friday so it's like i'm sure she's feeling really heavy right now so anyone who believes in the power of prayer just lift up the Seaborn family
1: amen annetta how far is virginia from new york it can't be that far just about seven hours. I just want to come down there and do something green with you. So thank you so, so very much for taking this time. It it means the world. And I'm sure you've lifted up all the listeners as much as you lifted me up on that golden rule day panel. So thank you. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure too. And listeners, It's our pleasure that you're here and that you're part of this. Thank you so very much. If you want to be in the inner circle of this um, podcast all about remarkable women, um, you can join the uh, Victoria Moran podcast listeners group on Facebook and uh, just hope to run into you in the cyber world or the real world one day soon. Now you just get out there and be remarkable.
0: We hope you enjoyed today's episode. You can learn more about Victoria or contact her at victoriamoran.com. Be part of her inner circle by joining the Victoria Moran Podcast Listeners Group on Facebook. And if you're a vegan looking to up your game, check out Victoria's acclaimed training and certification program, Main Street Vegan Academy, at mainstreetvegan.com.